How are we doing today, Wolfpack fans? This is Pack Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports. My name is Austin Paschke. I am your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Seth. Like always, today is going to be a great episode. We're going to be recapping some volleyball. We're going to be recapping some swimming and diving, some awards they were given out, some awards for soccer as their season has now come to an end. And then we're going to recap the women's basketball game. We're going to recap the men's basketball game, as well as looking ahead for those two games tomorrow. And then football's game tomorrow, we're going to be previewing the SDSU game in San Diego. It's going to be a great episode, guys. Stick with us. And we're back ready to rock and roll kind of quiet for sports this week uh swimming and diving didn't have another meet but i just wanted to point out that they were given some awards for their great play as we've been saying we don't think they're going to lose i think what swimming and diving is going to go undefeated all year but after the dual meet for nevada donna DiPolo and laura isabel vasquez lopez have collected the Mountain West honors this week. DiPolo, a junior swimmer, was named the Swimmer of the Week, while Lopez, a sophomore diver, took Diver of the Week for the second week in a row. I'm pretty sure Lopez has won Diver of the Week twice in a row now. Yeah, we we swept it last week, and now we're sweeping it again but this week. But this is DiPolo's first... Yeah, her first swimming. Right. And then Lopez's second straight diving, I'm pretty sure. Right, and I, honestly, at this point, I feel bad, man. I feel so bad for the rest of the Mountain West teams. They don't got a chance. Right. It's like, it's like yeah, we're going to do our best, and we're going to swim very we're gonna hard. We're going to try. And we're going to do some cool flips diving, but it's like... Our flips are way cooler. Right. And it's like, we're going to keep winning these awards every week. So it's like, at what point do Mountain West schools stop their swimming and diving program because of how good we are? I think we move up to like SEC or like Pac-12. I think Pac-12 is pretty good at like swimming and diving. But, but I think the Pac-12 have to be like... Look, this is a team that is year in, year out, whooped the Mountain West. Yeah. Just not even competition. So let's just, for one sport, let them in. I mean, I think the Pac-12 is kind of scared, though. I don't think they want us in the Pac-12 because we just dominate that, too. I truly think every every single team in the country is scared of our swimming and diving. Oh, yeah. And I, and I understand why. I mean, I, I truly don't think we're going to lose. We have arguably the best team. We have the best swimmers and divers. Uh, Lopez is probably going to win her third in a row next week. I mean, yeah, just I don't see them stopping anytime soon. First career award for DePolo, third for Lopez, second in a row for Lopez. The pack picked up the third win over Mountain West team in Boise State, as we talked about on Monday. 187-113, absolutely demolished. They played last Saturday afternoon. They moved to 5-0 and in dual meets, 3-0 and against conference opponents. Nevada's now... Five and zero in dual meets and has one invitational win over the year on the year over Washington State, San Diego State, and Idaho. But up next, we'll travel to Houston, Texas, to participate in the Phil Hansel Invitational on November twenty first and twenty third. So we do have a little bit of a break. But once we come back, I full heartedly expect them to keep winning awards and keep dominating the competition. I don't think anyone else has a chance. Truly feel bad for the Mountain West, but you know, not. Not every school and not every team can be as good as the Willow Wolfpack. You know what I mean? It's, 100%. It's truly, truly an honor. But soccer, as we touched on on Monday, their season has come to a swift end. 
three wins in the conference. That triples their win total in conference from last year. That is very good to look on. But in the not-so-bright spot, I think we won a total of four games this season. So again, not the best season from Wolfpack Soccer, but we're looking to improve and get better. And one of those pieces to continue getting better and to help us in the future is Gabby Brown. She was named to the Mountain West All-Newcomers team for soccer. So congratulations to Gabby Brown. I think Kendall Sova was gypped in an award maybe. Uh, maybe goalkeeper of the year or something like that. But um, behind those two, I think soccer is going to have a great year going forward. Um, looking to next year, we'll be able to touch on that and just, you know, see how they do. I think they're going to be really good. Maybe put that win total up to six, maybe seven. Get that conference win total up to four, maybe five. Ooh. Who knows? Ooh. We'll, be, we'll be able to get better behind this stellar performance between Kendall Soval, Gabby Brown, and uh, we'll be able to see how they do next year. But moving on to volleyball. The Nevada volleyball team moves to 16-9, and 6-7 and seven on the season after dropping a heartbreaker on the road to San Jose State in five sets. You hate losing in five sets. You hate going all the way, battling, fighting, and then just to lose in the fifth set. It's, it's heartbreaking, but it is a name of the game. The Pack won the first and third sets, uh, 25-19 and I think 25-18, but fell in the fifth and final set, 16-14, to 14, just it's oh. about the worst way you can lose right there. Literally, win by two, 16-14, and just, oh, heartbreaker, that is for sure. Kayla Foa led the team with 14 kills and 12 digs for her 15th double-double on the year. When is that name going to get repetitive? I don't know, but she keeps blowing the competition away. Absolutely killing it for our team, leading the team in kills. I don't think she's leading the team in digs, but she is definitely no. up yeah. there. 15 double-double, definitely leading the team in double-doubles. She's absolutely killing it. Dalen Burns posted her 13th double-double with 36 assists and 16 digs. Dalen Burns, I know for a fact, is leading the team in assists. She's leading the Mountain West in assists, absolutely killing the game. Sydney Peterson had a career high. Three solo blocks along with five block assists on the night to go with her seven kills. Brick Wall again, added again, true freshman. Other notable performances were the nine service aces by the pack, along with 22 block assists in the match. That matches the most block assists in a conference match this season next to the 22 posted against the Little Brothers down south. The pack went on a 3-0 scoring run to go up 8-4 at the switch in the fifth, following two block assists from Burns and Souza, following back-to-back challenges and a block solo from Peterson, San Jose called the timeout with Nevada leading 12-6. A 4-0 scoring run by the Spartans put them up within two, 12-10, including a Nevada timeout. And then when San Jose State tied it up 14-14, the momentum was in their favor being at home, and an attack air by the pack ended the match with the Spartans winning it 3-2. That fifth set was truly a heartbreaker. Yeah, I mean, to I mean, be up, you know, go on these scoring runs 8-4, and then it comes to, you know, 12-6, and then just kind of back-and-forth action. I mean, it is a heartbreaker to lose, but it's a very fun fifth set to watch if you're a a fan of volleyball. Definitely, and it's it's almost like the the rest of the sets, the rest of the matches, like, all that didn't even matter up until that those last three points. Like, when you're tied 14-14, nothing else in the game that happened prior matters until those points, and uh, we just couldn't pull it out. I mean, it was a great game to watch. It was great heart. It was great grit that... All of Nevada teams have, but I mean, it just wasn't our day, and we'll live to see another day, that is for sure. Up next for Nevada is a road match at Air Force tomorrow at noon. 
The match will be live streamed on the Mountain West Network as well as live stats through NevadaWolfPack.com. We sit fifth in the Mountain West right now behind Colorado State, Wyoming, the Little Brothers down south, and Boise State. While our team might be struggling right now, the conference season is in full swing. We have some top players in the Mountain West, and I feel like if we just put some pieces together, we're going to be right there, the top three. I mean, just because of these pieces alone that are playing so well, Kayla Foa leads the Mountain West in kills, 331. Mandalay Renan is tied for third in service aces. Sydney Peterson is second in the Mountain West in blocks. And Dalen Burns, of course, as we talked about and who was almost a pack player last week, leads the Mountain West in assists. I mean, this team is truly impressive. I feel like if just a few more breaks go our way, we're right there in the top three and fighting for a postseason play. But all in all, I mean, a truly great season that I think both pack fans and the pack players are proud of. We just have a lot. We have a lot more to, to do. We have a lot more to look forward to. And I think this team can get better before the season ends. Yeah, you like you said, there's a lot of season left in this volleyball season. A lot of time we can move up in the Mountain West standings. And I agree. I mean, you look at the stats, and the stats speak for themselves. Yeah. I mean, we have some of the best players in the Mountain West. Like you said, we've just lost a couple of close fist sets. We've had one earlier this year. I forget the opponent, but we had one really close one earlier in the yeah. year. You know, it's just some tough breaks for uh, the volleyball girls, but as long as they keep their heads up, keep moving forward, I think that a top three is uh, definitely a viable option for this yeah. team kind of going forward. Well, when he sat down with Lee Nelson, he was talking about, you know, trials and tribulations that this team would go through. I mean, it's a long season, like he said. We talked about, I think it was in the middle of the season after their crazy run with the non-conference. Yeah, and, right before Mountain West play. Yeah, and he, he said that he didn't want to get too confident. I mean, there's going to be times where this team gets down, and we're seeing it right now. They lost five in a row. They bounced back with two wins. They lost again, and now we just have to keep uh, hoping that they can pull it out. And you'll sweeping the rest of the season would be huge because we have that Colorado State game in there. We have a lot of big games that if we pull out wins, postseason's definitely on the horizon, so it's not a done season yet. It'll be an interesting season to keep a hold of and see how we do um, going forward. But moving on, we have some basketball that played on Tuesday. First regular season games for both women's and men's basketball. We'll start with women's. They had a huge game. I mean, absolutely huge game. I said they could squeak it out. I didn't know how confident I was. But I, I truly, I wasn't confident. But yeah. watching... Uh, you know, getting the stats on that game, watching the highlights, and looking at the box scores, that was a huge game for women's basketball. We beat St. Mary's on Tuesday, 78-72. to Huge first win, first win of the season against a really good St. Mary's team. They returned pretty much their entire lineup. Like, they returned, I think... I want to say eight of their top scores. Like they, yeah, I think it was 10 total players that they returned yeah. from that team last year. Just, I mean, it was pretty much the entire team back from a team that went to the second round of the WNIT. This is a great team. They know how to play basketball, and we took it to them. Kind of a different game from the Jessup game where 12 people scored. We only had seven people score in this game. We were led by Essence Booker, who dropped 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, and one steal. Besides Essence Booker, for me... Personally, I have to go with Amani Lacey. She is a post person down low. She only played 17 minutes, but she went 6 from 10 from the, f from the field, 13 points, 1 assist, and 1 rebound. I mean, she was just kind of everywhere. She didn't play that much, but while she was in, I mean, she had a great 13 points, third best on the team, really helping out Essence Booker and others down low. 
Yeah, I mean, Marguerite Effa played 18 minutes, 8 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block, 1 steal. She was all over the place as well. But who else stuck out to you? Uh, she played 21 minutes out of a starting role. Michaela Mayo really kind of impressed me. I mean, 4 for 6 from the field, 3 for 4 from the line. She dropped 11 points. Had four personal fouls, which is something you don't really like right. to see. But I feel like in watching the short part of the game I got to watch, I feel like she kind of really commanded the point guard position when she was in the game. Um, she really set the tone for the offense and kind of found the open man, made the smart pass a lot. Um, so that's really someone who impressed me, honestly. There was a, obviously a bunch of you know really good performances here. A lot of girls playing a lot of minutes. You see Essence Booker playing 28 minutes. You see Alyssa Jimenez playing 28 minutes. You see a lot of these girls kind of over 20 minutes, you know, carrying a lot of this workload for the this kind of younger women's basketball team um, that are playing really, really well right now. So, you know, there's a lot of good performances, but definitely uh, Michaela Mayo was kind of mine that kind of stood out to me. Well, Michaela came off the bench in the Jessup game, which was kind of interesting. And mm-hmm. you saw Jenna Williams starting. Now in this game, you see Michaela starting, Jenna Williams coming off the bench. Jenna didn't have the best of games, just one assist, uh, one rebound, no points. She went 0 for 2 from the field, but Jenna Williams was kind of person against Jessup who really commanded the floor a little bit like Michaela did against St. Mary's. I think a big point to our offense, especially this year, and Amanda Levins has talked about it, is the three-point ability, the ability to shoot the ball. We went 53% from beyond the arc, just absolutely killing it. The first quarter we went 0 for 4, not the best, but then after that we really picked it up 3 for 3 in the second quarter. Two for five in the third quarter, and then three for three again in the fourth quarter. 53% from the beyond the arc is absolutely huge. You're going to score a lot of points in a quick rate that way. Another impressive stat is that we forced 19 turnovers while having 11 steals compared to three steals for St. Mary's. I thought that was an anomaly for Jessup. We, yeah. we, we had, I think, 20 steals against Jessup. We forced like 29, 30 turnovers against Jessup. I truly thought it was like, okay, yeah. Jessup, that, I mean, that that's just a D2 school. Of course, we're going to be able to force that many turnovers and have that many steals. But against St. Mary's, who didn't have that, I mean, they had a lot of turnovers, but they know how to take care of the ball. They're a seasoned veteran group, and we forced 19 turnovers on them and had 11 steals. I wonder if this is going to be something that we see in the future to keep coming up. And, I mean, if we can keep forcing turnovers at this rate and having this stout of a defense we are going to bring a lot of headaches going into the mountain west yeah i agree in the in the jessup game we both kind of thought you know they played amazing defense they had a lot of steals and a lot of points off those turnovers but again it's it's jessup how much of that can you really take but then playing against this really good saint mary's team you have you know 19 turnovers and then you get 18 points off those turnovers i think that's something really big for this team that they can kind of you know put rest their hat on is you know picking these passing lanes and really understanding what the opposition wants to do and you know picking that off um, and I think it's really going to be kind of a big step for this young team going forward you know if you can get those easy points off turnovers those live ball turnovers that you can turn into fast break points turn into points off turnovers it's going to be huge to kind of get some of those free points especially when you're playing a good team like this St. Mary's team that we played on Tuesday. Points off turnovers we had 18 compared to St. Mary's 9 huge completely oh, pretty much no, it is doubling it. Yeah. Huge, huge points off turnovers. But we also had 34 points in the paint. 
They had 52, but that just shows you that we can still get down low and score in the paint when we need to. But at the same time, we can force turnovers. We have 18 points off the turnovers, 14 fast break points. We can really move this ball, and that's accustomed to Amanda Levin's style of coaching, just fast pace, move the ball, get as many points as you can. And that's what we saw on Tuesday. We saw it work, and I think we're going to see it work against Sacramento State tomorrow and then eventually looking ahead to Mountain West play. One area of improvement, though, because, of course, we can't just focus on the positive is, for me at least, is the turnovers. We had 14. While it's nothing compared to St. Mary's 19, it is still something I think we need to work on. Those 14 turnovers could have come back and really, you know, hindered our ability to put this game away, especially because we only won by five. So, you know, if we turn the ball over once or twice more, this could have really hindered our ability to win this game. 14, like I said, is something we can deal with, but something we need to focus on moving forward. And I think, it's, you know, it's a young team. We have only a couple upperclassmen, mostly those freshmen that played last year. So now sophomores, a couple transfers, and then true freshmen. It's a young team. So I think as the season goes on, we'll see that turnover number go down. But 14 was just kind of a number that stuck out to me saying, eh, I mean, one or two of those turnovers they capitalize on, it's a completely different game. Yeah, exactly. I think we got lucky with only the nine points off of 14 turnovers. That's something that's, you know, maybe a tribute to our, you know, transition defense or, you know, just the girls hustling and getting back. One thing that kind of stuck out or two things that kind of stuck out for me, free throws, we went 10 for 17. So not the, you know, not the worst, but not the best. You'd like to see that number kind of up near like 75, 80%. As a team, you know, that'd be a really solid number. It is and good that we're getting to the free throw line that much. It is good, but we need to cash in on right. those opportunities. Definitely. I agree 100%, you know, being aggressive. And then the bigger thing for me was St. Mary's in this game had 42 rebounds where we only had 28. Yeah. So winning was great, but, right. you know, rebounds is something you look at after the game. Um, I know we'll touch on it in the men's segment, right. um, how we got really out-rebounded and lost that game on Tuesday. But for the women, you know, getting out-rebounded by a large margin is something you don't want to see, you know, happen on the regular. Obviously, St. Mary's had that 6-3 forward, their yeah. center, yeah. Um, that kind of really snatched a lot of those rebounds. But something to kind of keep an eye on, definitely for me, would be kind of rebounds, see if Marguerite Effa can get in better position see if you know a lot of these transfers can maybe you know sneak in there in the yeah. back door where they're not boxing out snag some of those rebounds but yeah for right now uh rebounds is kind of the big one for me and then just a little bit cleaner at the free throw line for sure definitely we'll be able to see if they can work on these areas of improvement tomorrow at 1 p.m we're back in lawler to take on sacramento state Last year, Sacramento State went 10-19, and marking their fifth straight losing season. So definitely not the best string of seasons that the Hornets have put together. But you never know. This year could be a lot different for Sacramento State. This past offseason, the team lost four players to transfer, including their leading scorer from last season, who attempted a quarter of the team's shot last season. So they're definitely losing some pieces from a 10-19 season. So you have to think that this game is definitely in our favor and we should be able to put them away handedly. Sac State has another big three the pack will have to contain to be successful. One of those players is Kennedy Nichols, who averaged 13 points and 11 rebounds per season. But I think there's a familiar name on Sacramento State that definitely pack fans will notice. Definitely Amanda Levins and the basketball team will notice that is for sure, and that is Kamara King. The name may sound familiar because King started 27 games for the Pack last season before transferring to Sacramento State. 
She was third in scoring for the pack last season and first in assists. So kind of weird to see her dress up in that uh, green and white that we'll be able to see on Saturday. But that kind of helps out in our favor because we know how she plays. Amanda Levins knows everything about her, inside and out. She knows how she plays, her tendencies, where she wants to go, if she wants to go left or right. So I think this really helps out our ability to stop her. But on the same end, I mean, you could look at it for her. She knows our team. She knows how we're going to score, the freshmen that played with her last season, how they're going to be able to play. So I think, you know, it is kind of cool to see the familiarity coming to Lawler on Saturday, but it'll be um, kind of good for both teams to see, you know, okay, yeah, we have an upper hand in this game. We'll see who wins. But ultimately, I think it's the pack that are going to come away with it. Do you have any keys or what are you going to be able to look for on Saturday at one when the Hornets come to Lawler? I mean, the first thing is going to be rebounding for me. I think that we need to kind of limit Kennedy Nichols being able to maybe snatch some offensive rebounds, limit her defensive rebounding. That's going to be a big key for me. And then just solid defense again. I think if we play that brand of defense we've been seeing for the first couple games for this pack team, I think they're going to be successful more times than not. And it's going to be cool to see Kamara King back in uh, Lawler. I know she was excited about it in a couple articles I was reading. She said it was kind of like a homecoming game for her. You know, getting back uh, to come up to Reno to come play in Lawler, seeing all the Lawler fans yeah. and um, them knowing her as a familiar face. is going to be kind of cool for her. But, yeah, I think for me it's just really going to be rebounding and then just stout defense, trying to intercept those passing lanes, see if we can get some more live ball turnovers that turn into fast break and points off turnovers. So it's going to be interesting. I think we do take this game, though. I don't really have a score prediction. You know, depending on how the team starts from kind of three-point land, I think that could really, you know, launch this team in one direction or the other points-wise. But I think this should be a game that the pack take home for sure. Defense was one of my keys. I really think the pack need to... Continue the stout defense that they keep playing. You know, they they force a lot of turnovers. We saw that in Jessup, and then we saw it against St. Mary's. If they keep that streak going of turning, of forcing teams to turn the ball over, I think this will, this game will be pretty easy. We do need to rebound the ball better. I agree. We need to get Marguerite Effa down at the block and have her rebound. She's probably our best rebounder. She has the most size, so I think we need to get her down there and actually, you know, truly have her give more than just the four rebounds that we saw against St. Mary's, and I think we just need to keep scoring the ball. I mean, we're really good at putting the ball in the hoop. We are really good at scoring efficiently. We're good at shooting threes. We're good. We're just good at putting the ball in the hoop and putting up a lot of numbers. And I think if we do that against San Diego or against Sacramento State, I think we'll be fine. And I think we will win. I do have a score prediction. I think it's going to be 82 to 69. I think we're going to score more points than we saw against St. Mary's. I do think we're going to hold them to less points than we held St. Mary's to. And I think we're going to take this one handedly. I think we are going to win by 13. 82 to 69, but we'll be able to see what happens tomorrow at 1 p.m. in Lawler. So get out and support another double header for basketball. You'll be able to see this women's team play, and then you'll be able to see the men's team play as well. We play LMU at Lawler tomorrow at 7 p.m. So we'll be able to watch the nice double header again, women's and then men's. There's a little bit of a bigger gap between the two. But um, it would be perfect. I mean, it kind of comes in conflict with the football game a little bit. But what I always like to say is you go to the game that's in Reno. So you go to Lawler, hook up your phone, make sure it's charged, get your data on, you know, get your get the Wi-Fi going and pull up the San Diego State game because it's not at home. So it's going to be in San Diego and you'll be able to watch it on your phone, get the best of both worlds. But we got some big news for men's basketball 
We lost to Utah on Tuesday by a close score of 79-74. to A tough loss. I think the team showed amazing grit, amazing fight down to the very end. Looking back to the game on Tuesday, this is what Coach Alfred had to say about their performance. The glaring thing I was disappointed in, it was, um, it was on the backboard. Uh, I thought they were tougher on the glass than we are, and I think that would be a good lesson for us. Um, and that's not just bigs, that's guards as well. Um, they took four charges, we didn't take any. And I think those were the two disappointing things. But for an opener, 17 assists, six turnovers. Um, you know, really pleased with that. Um, we just couldn't get the line. You know, the, the difference in the game, we, we lose by two possessions and they get there 35 times, we get there nine. Uh, that's hard to overcome. But ultimately there's multiple ways to look at this game. We talked about it off air. We see it a lot on social media. We see it a lot with the talking heads around Reno, like us. But we lost Utah. Yes, we probably should have won. Yes, we are favored to win. We lost Jalen Harris. Yes, he is down. We completely got out-rebounded. We had no scoring outside of Lindsey Drew. We had crazy foul trouble. We didn't have the same rotation. We, it, we looked bad. We didn't look good. That is the first way to look at it. And, I mean... A lot of people are already saying this is going to be a long season. I saw it all over Twitter. It's going to be a long season. How is it going to be a long season? Please explain to me. How is it going to be a long season? I don't get that. It's the first game. We had so much foul trouble that Alfred had no chance to get his rotation going. We had Jalen Harris, who obviously hurt our offensive scoring game plan, and we had to rely on Lindsey. Everyone was kind of scrambling. Nothing was set in motion. That was not our team that we saw on Tuesday. I don't understand how people are saying, oh, it's going to be a long year, uh, you know, this year's shot, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, th- there, this, there's a second way to look at it. There's The second way is how I'm looking at it is this team lost by five to a decent Pac-12 team who has a lot of top recruits, who has a lot of promise. We only lost by five with our leading scorer out, with immense foul trouble, with people that couldn't play. Zane Meeks didn't play for like pretty much 12 minutes of that first half. No scoring from him. So there's a lot of different ways you can look at it and say, you know, that wasn't our team on Tuesday. Or you can be a lot of people that I saw on, on Twitter and a lot of social media outlets saying that this is going to be a long season. And, the, you know, uh, this is going to be a different team. And, the, you know, I just don't get it. I, I'm truly confused. And I think that people have to look at it as we just didn't have our team on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, obviously the foul trouble is something that hurt us in the front court you know we see John Carlos foul out with four or six points we see KJ foul out in seven minutes which was something I was actually very disappointed in but yeah other than that I mean the team showed fight at the very end you see Zane Meeks knocking down a three um in the last minute of play to bring us within I think it was two or three yeah. again I mean you still see this team even without pieces even dealing with adversity playing through it and playing hard in front of the Lawler faithful I mean, I don't think it was a bad loss. Yes, we were favored to win. Yes, we probably should have won that game right. um, if all things bounced our way. But we had some, you know, setbacks and some, you know, calls that didn't go our way. Some injuries that happened. Obviously, Jalen, that one's going to hurt for a little bit. Yep. But, yeah, I don't think that we should be hitting the panic button just yet. I mean, this team, compared to last year's team, I see people hitting the panic button left and right after we, you know, win close games. So it's something that's really interesting to me. I think this team has definitely a lot less pressure on them than last year's team. I saw that kind of bouncing around on Twitter as well. I don't think this was a bad loss at all. I think Utah is going to be kind of a middle of the pack, 
Pac-12 team. You know, they showed why they are, you know, they were third right. last year in the Pac-12. And I think they'll be kind of a middle-of-the-pack Pac-12 team again. It's not going to be a super bad loss at a res- on our resume at the end of February when we start looking at seeding for March Madness. So, yeah, I don't think we should be hitting the panic button at all just yet. I think this team is young. It's going to take time for them to grow with each other on the court and we're going to see that in stretches you know we're going to have growing pains and that's a part of life dealing with the young team sorry we don't have an average age of 23 and 8.8 something years old the oldest in the country but you know it's something that you know pack fans haven't seen for a while and we're just going to have to get used to and but we still need to show our ultimate support to this basketball team because i think they still are going to be something special this year yeah i mean ultimately it's a transition year if this is our version of a transition year, I will take it by any yeah, means. that's not a bad transition You got to go back to May and June when there was literally no one on this team. Coach Alfred had to spend the entire month of May and June actually not recruiting other players, but recruiting our own players to come back to our team. We're, we are so many steps behind other teams, and this team that we have is, it could be so much worse. It could be, it's just, it could be so much worse. And I'm glad that where we're at now, I mean, I'm not glad with the first loss of the season, but it's something to punch us in the mouth a little bit. On the rebounding side of things, though, out-rebounded by 19 rebounds, 51-32. to That was an area that I have been harping on since day one, saying that we are going to suffer on the rebounding end. Everyone on Twitter wanted to tell me it was the defense, but it is the rebounding. I swear we're going to have trouble rebounding the ball the entire year. I mean, we held them to 44% from the field, 21% from three. I don't think defense is definitely our – defense isn't our problem. It's rebounding the ball and personal fouls. We need to cut down on the fouls, 29 personal fouls to their 16. Just not the best we could see at all. But when you look at this group, I mean, Jalen Harris obviously is injured. He played eight minutes. KJ played seven minutes, fouled out. Zane Meeks only played 12 minutes. We put a lot of minutes on a lot of different people. And like you said, Zane Meeks hit that three, got us within three, and then we gave him the ball again at the end of the game to see if he can hit it and tie it up. We're one three away from tying this game up and eventually, you know, maybe squeaking this one out. I think we are fine. I think a lot of people are hitting the panic button way too early. And we'll be able to see how we do against LMU when they come to Lawler Event Center at seven how do you think we're going to be doing against lmu when they come to lawler i mean lmu's got a decent team i mean nothing really kind of stands out to me in their first game obviously a lopsided win to a random college westcliff westcliff yeah you know where that's located no neither do i (laughs) no clue (laughs) never heard of westcliff before a day in my life oh they took care of business though I mean, yeah, they're winning the games they're supposed to win. You know, the field goal percentage, not bad at 63%, three-point at 66 Again, against Westcliff, how much can you really right. take from this game? Right, no defense whatsoever. Um, Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be interesting. I, nothing on Loyola Marymount really scares me too much. I think that we just really need to play our brand of basketball, get back into the swing of things, and I think we can take this one, but... Yeah, I don't. This game doesn't really scare me as much as Utah did, obviously. So I think this should be kind of a handy win for the pack, even without Jalen Harris. I think so, too. Before we wrap up basketball and before we say score prediction and what we're looking for in this game, can we real quick just talk about Lindsey Drew and holy crap what yeah. he did on Tuesday? I mean, I don't know how we didn't bring this up before. I totally blanked. But I mean, he absolutely went off 36 minutes, 12 for 19 from the field. Five for nine from three-point. He dropped 30 points, six rebounds, eight assists, one block, one steal, 
Zero turnovers. That's my favorite stat right there. You're in the game for 36 minutes. Not only are you in the game for 36 minutes, you have the ball in your hand for pretty much... I don't know, 150 minutes of the 200 minutes that we Probably played. Probably most of our possessions, he touched the ball at least once. No turnovers. Yeah. Eight assists, 30 points. Where did this shot come from, by the way? Five for nine from three. We saw him walking the ball down the court, pulling up from three with a hand in his face, strapping it. His shot looks a lot better from when we when we last saw him. And, I mean, his career best was 17 points coming into this game. He put up 30. That is absolutely insane. I don't think this was a performance that me or you saw coming. I mean, going back, I think, two years from now or two years prior to this, I think if you would have told us he had a 30-point game going shooting five three-pointers, I think we would have called you crazy. Yeah. But now we saw it on Tuesday, and I think this may be something that we can keep seeing, especially with Jalen out and, you know, Lindsey has to, to carry some of that scoring load. Yeah, it's something we also talked about off-air is, from our freshman year at college yeah. when we would see Lindsey Drew just shooting the line drive three-pointers with, like, no spin on it. Right. And it was kind of a, you know, weird sight to see. Now you see him with confidence, yeah. you know, stepping up to that three-point line, pulling up off transition, and just hitting threes and getting Lawler excited as heck. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool to see from a dude who has spent all five years here wearing the white and blue and silver of Nevada. I think it's really cool, and I think, obviously, all the best to him – this is amazing what we're seeing. And no, I didn't see it coming. I think it was, you know, his best game by far. And I think he's got a couple more of those in the tank as well. I think if we really need him to step up, he's a senior guy that's going to step up for us. So that's really kind of good to have in your back pocket where, yeah. you know, you know that Lindsey can produce these type of numbers um, on, you know, any given day or night, honestly. Yeah. And especially with Jalen out, we heard that Pack Center broke it first, that Coach Alfred said he's getting an x-ray tomorrow. That was on Tuesday. We broke that first from the press conference. He said he was getting an x-ray on Wednesday. X-rays came back negative, thank God. Especially, hold on just real quick. I never got that, by the way. If x-rays came back negative, you would think that something would be wrong, right? Or is that just me? No, like negative. You would think it would be bad. In that sense, negative means like nothing. Like, yeah, so that's actually good. Yeah. See, it's that whole thing is weird. Like if I hear x-rays came back negative, I'd be like, oh, my foot's broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's negative. It's not good. But anyways. X-rays came uh, yeah. back negative, and it came back that he just has a sprained foot, sprained right foot. The If he's going to play against LMU, still up in the air, I say hold him, man. I say yeah. hold him. I wouldn't even play him against Texas Arlington. Mm-hmm. I would. I mean, I would hold him maybe for the St. Mary's game and see how he his foot feels because I don't – I would hate to push it and, you know, gets way worse. So I would hold it. His status for tomorrow's game still up in the air. We'll let you guys know as soon as we know on Twitter. But some keys to this game going forward facing LMU. What do you think is going to happen? How are we going to win this game? I mean, someone, for me, we need to, you know, have a better distribution of scoring. I think we saw last game Jazz seemed to be forcing the issue a little bit in that second half when Jalen Harris was out. Something that we haven't really seen him do too much or he hasn't had to do in the past too much. So just finding different outlets of scoring, we can't rely on Lindsey Drew every night to drop us 36 and 8 or whatever he had on that amazing stat line. It's going to be something that we really need to point of emphasis is, you know, getting the ball around, you know, making, finding the open shot, finding the best shot as Amanda Levins likes to talk about. Another thing for me is just playing solid defense again. I think 
kind of looking at some of our pick and rolls early in the season, some of that defense is kind of shady here and there. I know that's something that Coach Alfred has talked about in the past, trying to work on pick and roll defense and then kind of switching and stuff like that on defense is something that they've really emphasized these last couple of weeks heading up to the season. So yeah, those kind of two things are things that stick out in my mind. I know you have a couple different ones, but yeah, I think those two things for me at least are the biggest. Yeah, well, I was going to keep in the same mindset of defense. Some of the leading scorers that we're going to see on Saturday or tomorrow that we're going to have to stop. Ivan Alipev, a native from Bulgaria, he had 25 points against that Westcliff team. So he can definitely score. And then another one, a freshman, a true freshman out of Australia is Kelly Leo Pepe. He had he played only 17 minutes, but had 15 points, second most on the team against Westcliff. Went seven for nine from the field and four rebounds. So I think we need to out-rebound the ball. I think we need to stop those two guys on defense. And we need to watch the personal fouls. I don't know if that's an anomaly. Hopefully that was just a one-game thing. But if we can stop the personal fouls, you know, limit that allow for our scores to be in. Maybe Nizre can put some of the scoring load on his back. Zane Meeks, he can play more than 12 minutes because of the fouls. He can have more of a scoring role. We saw that through the threes. And I think, you know, this game we should be able to take handedly. I'm not too worried about their scores. We just shut those two guys down. I think we'll be fine. I have a score prediction of 73 to 65. I think we're going to stop them. I think our defense is going to come up big, and I think we're going to be able to win the game. Do you have a score prediction? Do you think we're going to win? Yeah, I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be a little less high scoring than yours. I'm going to go along the lines of kind of 68, maybe 60, 59, somewhere around those lines, just because Jalen is out and we don't really have a super prolific scorer right now. But I think our defense really steps up in this game. I think a lot of different people score in double digits, and I think we share the ball really well, and that's kind of what we're going to see in this Lowell Mayor Mail game. So I'm actually really excited to see kind of what the guys pull out on Saturday. Yeah, and but basketball is not the only sport that is taking place Saturday night, and that is football, 7.30 Saturday in San Diego. It will be televised, ESPN2, get the ESPN app. You can watch on your phone at the basketball game. SCSU ranked 24th in the country. That's a little scary. Yeah. Especially because of how our team's been playing. We don't really like ranked teams on the road. Dating back to 1946. We have beat the Aztecs in San Diego one time. I do not think we're going to see a repeat of that one time tomorrow. The over-under is 38.5. I think that is the lowest over-under I have seen for a college football game. I don't know, ever. And um, like I said, we are not betting guys, but I would probably take the under, honestly. I don't think we're hitting the over. I don't think these teams are going to score. I mean... Looking at SDSU, their defense is elite in, like, elite, elite. Like, top 10 defenses in the college football. FBS. Like, they are just, they're elite. Third best run defense in the FBS. They give up 69.9 yards per game on the ground. They also rank 53rd in the pa- in pass defense, allowing 213 yards per game. They bring the pressure against opposing QBs. Their linebacker core is elite. Their secondary is pretty good. Even though they rank about 53rd, they're, they're experienced, and they could definitely give our passing game some headaches. Their D-line, while is inexperienced, definitely knows how to stop the run. They rank 62nd in FBS for fewest penalties per game. They rank 6th in the country in turnover margin. They force 1.25 turnovers per game and have a turnover margin of plus 10. They don't turn over the ball much, and they force a lot of turnovers. They're quick to the ball. They stop the run. They stop the pass. Am I missing anything, man, on defense? I mean, this is an elite defense that is going to give our offense a lot of headaches. I mean, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, this is probably the 
best defense we'll see yeah. all season. Which is um, scary because our offense has put up goose eggs to a lot worse defenses. Yeah, exactly. This is it's going to be a challenge for the Pack. It's yeah. going to be interesting to, to see kind of what their game plan is going into this. It's going to be a tough one. I mean, like you said, our offensive struggles have kind of been continuing. Uh, we only put up, what, 21 points yeah. against New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. I'm not a very impressive showing, and we're playing a much, much better defense yeah. this week. So it's going to be a tough test for the pack this week. It's it's just going to be tough. That's yeah. all I got to say really about this. Looking on this offensive side, Ryan Agnew, obviously we've seen him, I think, what, two years in a row now? Yeah. Um, he's He's a pretty good offensive quarterback. He conducts the offense very well even though he hasn't had as much pressure on him as he does this year because of how they ran the ball. They're typically a run-heavy offense. They've switched to the spread offense this year. It's kind of worked out. They've had a little bit of better offensive production. Not crazy uptick. Ryan Agnew has 1,427 passing yards, 63.9 completion rating. He has 10 TDs and 3 INTs. He does not turn the ball over at all. Agnew's biggest game was early in the season in their win versus UCLA. He went 23 for 31. That's 74% completion rating, 293 yards, and one TD. The most points they've scored in a game is 31, so not that much. Still good, but not that much. And that was against a very, very bad New Mexico State team. Remember, New Mexico actually beat that New Mexico State team. They're bad, bad. Yeah. And they only put up 31 points against them. Other than that, they don't score the ball much. They scored 20 points against a bad UNLV team, and they only beat UNLV by three, 20 to 17. That was an interesting game that happened last week. It'll be interesting to see how they do against us because I don't think we're that much better than UNLV, but I do think we're better. So we might actually have a chance in this one. They run the ball more than they pass, which is common for SCSU, except in some games like UCLA, Utah State, Wyoming. They threw the ball for 293 yards, 281 yards, and 209 yards, respectively, against those three teams. On the ground, SDSU ranks 82nd in rushing offense with 150.4 yards per game. Their ground attack is led by Juwan Washington, who on the year has rushed 119 times for 432 yards. That's good for 3.6 yards per Per rush looks a lot like our run defense. Washington has rushed for 432 yards, 3.6 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Toa has 562 yards, 3.9 yards per rush, and five touchdowns. SCSU is averaging 3.4 yards per rush. Nevada is averaging 3.3 yards per rush. It's almost like a mirror image of our offense. Really, they don't run the ball super well. They pass the ball all right. I mean, he takes care of the ball. Agnew knows how to space the ball around. Just kind of like a mediocre to upper tier offense that I think our defense can compete with. I'm just worried about the air attack and seeing how our secondary does. But all in all, I think if they try to run the ball against us, I think we can stop them. I'm just worried about our secondary. And ultimately, I'm really worried about that defense. Yeah, I mean, this offense is, like you said, mediocre, you know, compared to for, to be a 24 ranked team in uh, in the nation and having this type of offense, you know, your defense really has to be something special. Right. Because you know this offense really isn't putting a lot of points on the board. I mean, their leading receiver has 41 catches, and I think the second leading has 26, and then it goes down to the teens. It goes down to 13, yeah. 14, 10. So, you know, this offense really, ever since they adopted the spread this year, they've kind of stayed with that running attack, but given that option to pass, which is something that I think Ryan Agnew is really kind of looking forward to, as you see in his stats, I mean, he's, you know, having a 
pretty decent year for a, a run-heavy type of offense. Right. So it's going to be an interesting one for our defense. If we can really stop the run and make Ryan Agnew make some tight passes in the secondary, I think it's going to be kind of a lower-scoring game, definitely. I think that our defense could match up with this team very well, just depending on which defense steps on the field on Saturday. It's going to be interesting to see if we really get kind of that stout defense we've been seeing the last couple of weeks or we start getting a defense that you know, let up 51 points to Hawaii, that type of right. defense. So it's going to be, you know, just which defense wants to step out this week. The San Diego State team is really, they're used to playing low-scoring, close games. They're used to grinding it out. I mean, they beat Wyoming by four. They beat a mediocre San Jose State team by 10. They beat Colorado State by 14. They lost Utah State by only six. They're, they're used to close games, and if this game gets really close down late in the fourth quarter, them being at home along with just how stout their defense is, it could get bad for us. So I'm not too confident about this game just because how our offense struggles to score, and this is such a tough defense to score against. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it, honestly. Carson's going to have to step up big. Toa and Devontae Lee are going to have to give that one-two punch coming out of the backfield. Romeo Dubs is exploding at just the right time, so maybe if Carson Strong and Romeo Dubs can team up together and really you know, take down this secondary, I think it'll be good. And Maybe Elijah Cook's going to red zone touchdown and you never know what could happen but it's just not looking so good for our team on the offense side of the ball chance bell and jordan bird for sdsu also gets touches in this rotation they have 50 rushing attempts this season combined agnew can scramble even though he doesn't really run the ball he has 58 quote-unquote rushing attempts mostly just scrambles it's it's good for third on the team however 81 yards on 58 attempts is mostly just you know one to two yard scrambles getting the first down while he can. And then, like you said, I mean, their wide receivers, they're not that prolific. They have one or two, and then it kind of drops off. How do you think this game's going to go? What are you looking for keys, and uh, do you have a score prediction? I mean, a big key for me is going to be stopping the pass. Even though we're yeah. playing San Diego State, we think run first San Diego State. I think that's kind of, you know, our defense is good enough. They've shown enough in, you know, stopping the run right. that we really need our secondary to step up and you know, hold Ryan Agnew to probably below 50% completion rate. I think that's a good number that they need to hit. Well, and we've said it multiple times. Every team that we face is going to steer away from running the ball and pass the ball a lot. And that's San Diego State. They're good at running the ball. But this year, they're kind of veering away to passing the ball more. They're definitely going to come out passing the ball against us. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you have a confident senior quarterback like Agnew, it's going to be you know, something that our secondary really needs to step up. And I think if we do hold them under that 50% completion rate, I think it bodes well for our chances yeah. of winning this game. But on the offensive side of the ball, Carson's going to have to have another pretty decent week yeah. like we saw last no week. No turnovers, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully no picks, hopefully no fumbles on the offensive end. And if we can force a couple, that'd be huge. Score prediction for me, I have us losing this football game. I have us losing... I'm going to go in the realm of 24 to 7. I think we get, you know, a touchdown, you know, kind of runs away with this one. It's, you know, 20 they're 24 in the country for a reason. Right. This team is is a good team that I don't think we stack up too well against. They could score a little bit less than 24. I could say our defense holding them to maybe like 17, 21, somewhere in that range. Right. But yeah, I'm going to go with that score prediction of kind of like 24-7. I like that score prediction. I think it's right around where mine is, honestly. The Pack need to win two more games to comfortably get into a bowl game. We've been seeing talks about six might not get you into the bowl game this year. Six usually gets you an automatic bowl game, but we're looking around seven to eight Mountain West teams that are going to be sitting at six wins, which is great for the conference, but bad for us because now we needed that seventh win to really like solidify a postseason bowl berth. And 
this game is not going to be one of those games where we get the two wins. We're looking at now Fresno and UNLV. This game is going to, and I'm just telling you, this isn't even a prediction. We're going to lose this game. It's not going to be pretty for the pack offense. We're going to lose 9-27, to 27, three field goals from Talton. 27 points for SDSU. They're just, they're, I think they're going to walk on us. And I mean, I'm hope, I, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm yeah. wrong, but I just don't see it happening. Our offense doesn't have the kind of production to go against this defense. And I truly don't think that we can pull out a win. If we do pull out a win, it is going to be because we do force a couple turnovers. We take advantage of those turnovers and we actually put the ball in, in the end zone. And if we score, I even think if we score two touchdowns, we can win this game because that shows that we're actually moving the ball and we're actually moving the ball against a very good defense. So I think we can squeak out this game if we have a couple turnovers, but I do not think that we are going to win it if it's just straight up. SDSU's defense is just too good. I say 9-27 to SDSU in SDSU. The game is at 7-30 ESPN2. Basketball, men's basketball is at 7 at Lawler. Women's basketball, 1 p.m. at Lawler. Did I miss anything? I think we're good. I think we are, yeah. Go Pack. Go Pack. Thank you guys so much for giving us your time and listening, guys. And like always, go Pack.